Classic League Baseball is back for the 19th season, and Jason and I are ready for Season 3 of Dead People Baseball. I don't want to speak for you, Jason, but is the first episode of the year your favorite episode like it is for me? Always is. Always looking forward to uh, going through our predictions and seeing what might happen this year. It's a blank slate, a new opportunity for another fantastic Classic League season. This is the Dead People Baseball season preview for the 2023 Classic League Baseball season. great to hear that music again, isn't it? As always, this will likely be our longest episode of the year as we go around the bases, starting at first base where Casey Rydell will recap spring training. At second base, we've got all of the updates for the 2023 season, discussion of the draft, and our thoughts of each team's choices. Third base starts with a dipper with a special twist for 2023, and then it's prediction time. We'll pick division winners, wildcard playoff entries, the World Series participants and winner, and the big three, or is it four, award winners. We'll head home and talk about the upcoming 20th anniversary of the league, possible expansion, a special all-star game announcement, and some potential rule changes. Initial thoughts, Jason? April 4th is opening day. We're getting close. It's right around the corner, and we're going to have a lot of fun with this episode. And to start things off, let's kick it over to Casey Rydell for first base. How have you been, Casey? Matt and Jason, I'm doing great. Glad to be back for another season of Dead People Baseball. Let's talk about the spring. Now, spring records can often be deceiving as teams are not always playing their starting nine, but let's break down the records in the two divisions. In the Citrus Division, the newcomer Gitchagumi Gales finished 13-19 and as they learned the lay of the land. The World Series runner-up Gramercy Ghostmen were a game ahead at 14 and 18, while the East Point Elites were a game clear of Gramercy with a record of 15 and 17. The Brentwood Bearcats landed at 17 and 15, the North Coast Crashers had a 19 and 13 record, and the Raleigh Fingers led the way at 20 and 12. Over in the Sunshine Division, the Harvey Wallbangers matched the Gales at 13 and 19. The Cleveland Spiders matched the Ghostmen at 14-18, and 18, and the Limerick Hurlers and defending champion Twinsburg Tornadoes matched East Point at 15-17. and 17. The Wormtown Warriors were an even 500 at 16-16, and 16, and your spring training champs were the Athens Bobkittens, pacing the field with 21 wins and 11 losses. There were a few semi-unfamiliar names in the league leaders, again with lots of players looking to earn a spot on the 25-man roster of their respective squads. No surprises at the top of the batting average leaders, where Ty Cobb hit 391 for Raleigh, and Oscar Charleston posted a 390 average for the Warriors. Tony Gwynn saw the ball well for the Spiders and hit 361, while Ross Youngs showed his potential for Limerick, hitting at a 357 clip. Frog Reedus rounded out the top five in average, going 351 for the Fingers. Harvey may have found another big bopper for their lineup, as Juan Gonzalez smacked 11 home runs in 26 games of action. 
Alex Rodriguez of Wormtown also hit 11, while Barry Bonds had 10 for Raleigh, the only three players to smack double-digit dingers. Lots of RBI during spring training, with Barry Bonds leading the way with 35. Frog Reedus joined his teammate in the 30 club with an even 30, tied with Alex Rodriguez for second place. Tied for fourth place were Willie Stargell of the Wallbangers and Tornado's bopper Lance Berkman. They had 24 RBI each. Walter Johnson is a name we expect to see at the top of the wins list, and he didn't disappoint notching six for Raleigh. Tim Linscomb of Athens and East Point's Orville overall got four wins each, creating some rotation depth for the Bob Kittens and Elites. Nolan Ryan also had four wins for Wormtown. Vita Blue got several starts for the Hurlers looking for rotation depth and had an ERA of 3.46. Tim Linscomb came in at 3.23 for the Bob Kittens, and Al Spaulding was under 3 for Brentwood with a mark of 2.73. Walter Johnson was in midseason form, finishing the spring with a 2.61 ERA, and Bill Bird led the league for North Coast with an ERA of just 2.12. Great performances from a few players we don't often hear from. Matt and Jason, I know you guys have a lot to talk about, so I'll let you take it from here. For now, Casey Rydell is signing off, and I'll talk at you in the next episode of Dead People Baseball. Back to you, gentlemen. A short and sweet first base from those golden pipes of Casey Rydell. Let's dive into second base with some draft discussion. As we predicted, Albert Pujols was the first overall pick. Now, we're not going to get too crazy in-depth here with analysis of the draft, but I want to talk about some picks we loved, some picks that surprised us, and some picks that made us mad because we were about to draft that guy. I'm going to start right off the bat with a pick that made me mad, and that was Leroy Matlock. I love Leroy Matlock. I've had him in my rotation before, and I thought he was going to drop to me at 10, but the Cleveland Spiders grabbed him at 8. Uh, Ed Rulbach isn't a bad consolation prize, but you and I both like taking guys that we've had experience with in the past. What was a pick that made you mad? Yeah, that was a good pick, by the way, that Matlock pick. Um, high high value there. I think in the first round for me, uh, not really mad, but Hannes Wagner started dropping, and I, I was thinking maybe I'd get him because I, I figured there would be a run of pitchers um, right in front of me, and there were, but he was the last hitter. <laughs> kind of take him before I had a chance to get him. Um, but again, kind of like you, nice consolation with Hank Greenberg. I, mm -hmm. I thought he dropped a lot further than I expected as well. How about a surprising pick? And I'll let you start on this one. Um, I'm going to go with Charlie Geringer at six. Uh, I, I, not that he's a bad pick, but I, I was surprised to see him go so high. Um, but I think he's a solid pick. He, he's one of those players that you, you kind of know what you're going to get and usually doesn't disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. He was definitely a guy I had on my radar. Um, for me, surprising pick, it was uh, Gichigumi taking Ichiro Suzuki at the top of the fourth round. Ichiro hasn't received a ton of play in the classic league, but I think that Jared plans to use him in the leadoff spot. Um, be interesting to see what he does for an entire season. Uh, what about a pick that you absolutely loved one or two? Hmm, let me look. I think um, if I'm looking early on uh, in the second round, Chipper Jones yeah. uh, was, was, I think, a high-value pick, uh, fell way further than, than I would have expected, uh, even to the point where I was like thinking maybe I could get him you know, later in round two. But I, I think that that's a, a really solid pick. I think um, 
he brings uh, power from both sides of the plate, uh, and, and always nice to get a switch hitter that you don't have to like think about platooning. For sure, I think I think Twinsburg got great value with Gary Sheffield in the fifth round. Um, I mean, he's a guy that's he can knock it out of the park, and he's had a few good seasons. And uh, same thing with Ken Griffey Jr. going to Brentwood in the sixth round. He's been a big contributor on at least one championship team that I know of. Uh, I think that's a great addition for Keith and his Bearcats. Um, do you have another pick that made you mad? I've got one. I can, like Harvey uh, Wallbangers took Bruce Suter in the sixth round. But I was upset more at myself than I was at Harvey because Nap Lajewi kept falling and falling and falling. I ended up taking him in the fifth round. Probably could have waited around and taken Suter. I feel like I should have taken Suter in the fifth round, and now I'm kind of worried about the back end of my rotation. Yeah, maybe. You know, and Suter is a guy that you can't always count on being solid. I mean, he's had some up-and-down years. I think last year, you know, he's kind of coming off of a a disappointing season. Um, I think for me, uh, the pick that angered me was when you took Lefty Grove, because he was a guy... I wanted to try and get a a left-handed starter for my fourth spot in the rotation that could eat a lot of innings. I did get uh, Carl Hubble and Warren Spawn, and Spawn ended up winning that spot. But Grove was a guy that I thought I could wait on, uh, so I was a little surprised that you took him when you did. Um, but obviously I was looking to take him in that same round, so uh, you know, hopefully he works out well for you. I, I think he's a guy that has also had up and down years and is due for a good one. I like the sound of that. Now, I started off the draft discussion with how we like taking players we've had before. Do you think we saw the sentimental favorites getting picked like we have in the past? I do, and I think what was also kind of interesting was as we got later into the draft, you started seeing a lot more guys, a lot more players that aren't normally taken getting taken. Um, You know, guys like, for example, that I took, Julio Franco, Kenny Lofton, uh, it's always fun to see guys like Jose Canseco or Bo Jackson getting taken by the same owners that are just happy to to have guys that they rooted for maybe as kids. I, I know I took Daryl Strawberry this year, and he actually had a decent spring. So uh, I think in that regard, like you're starting to see more players who don't really get a shot in this league being taken uh, like flyers later on in the draft. Mm-hmm. For me, it seemed like the guys that I have taken in the past were getting snatched up by other teams. So while I did get a few of my favorites, having to go through a trade to get one of them, um, (laughs) I felt like I went out of my comfort zone with several picks, especially later in the draft. Uh, I I felt like I was just looking like Mini Minoso. I'd I'd never taken, I I mean, he's he's played in Classic League, but the guy that stuck out to me when I I remember selecting him and just... um, and Bernardo, uh, Bernardo Barro was another one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I asked you to give me a couple ideas for some speed, and, uh, and that's who I ended up with that one. So, um, Okay, well, let's talk about some of the changes to teams, ballparks, etc. in 2023, starting with Raleigh naming a new manager. Right, Crash Davis, uh, who was originally my hitting coach, I, I decided to put out a flyer making him available. I, I felt like he was a guy that would fit well as a manager um obviously they don't actually manage or make decisions (laughs) but it just you know watching that movie quite a bit over the winter and 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 i i was like yeah that's a guy that should be on the manager list and uh kind of fitting that a team from north carolina snatched him up yeah very cool 
We also had a few teams using alternate ballparks for spring training. My hurlers used Shea Stadium, your Ghostmen played at Wrigley, Los Angeles, and East Point was in the Astrodome for the spring. Do you see any advantage to this, or is it just a way to have some more fun with the league? A little bit of both. Um, I, I, you know, we've kind of encouraged it on on this uh, podcast in the past. I, I think if you're f- considering changing ballparks in the future, that's a good time to try out some of those parks prior to you know making the permanent move. Um, I wish more teams did it, but I can also get why teams want to see how their uh, players perform in their regular season park prior to the season starting. East Point also changed their regular season ballpark, and they'll be at Griffith Stadium. North Coast has moved to Fenway. Wormtown is using old Kansas City Municipal Stadium. And the Gitchigumi Gales will be playing at Milwaukee County Stadium. Any feelings on these new homes for these teams? I feel like they all fit those teams well. Um, I know that Wormtown and East Point in particular were, were considering a few different parks. Um, I think that the teams they drafted uh, are, are suited well for those parks. Uh, North Coast kind of originally went with Wrigley, I believe, mm-hmm. and then switched to Fenway, which it's the old Fenway, um, so a, a little bit more uh, pitcher-friendly, and I know he was looking for a park that, that could be a little bit more balanced but lean towards a pitcher. And I think, um, you know, on the last episode of last season, we had the interview with Greg, Mm -hmm. and after recording, you know, we had that discussion. And I felt like Fenway and Wrigley are similar in that way, but Wrigley is more weather-dependent than Fenway is. So I I felt like uh, it was more stable to to choose a park like Fenway. Yeah. And I think for, I know you and I both have stadiums that we've had for almost our entire time in the league. I think that's where the the fun comes in with having a different spring training home. Um, so, like, I think I had uh, Six Stadium from Seattle last mm-hmm. year and then switched over to Shea this year. Just wanted to have that Queens feel. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it is, like you said, it's a combination of some people are trying out the new park. Others are just having fun because they know they're not moving parks anytime soon. Right. So. Uh, we will have a new award to be given out this year. For the first time, we will award a Rookie of the Year. Are there many candidates, or should we just give it to Albert Pujols now? <laughs> it's looking that way. <laughs> uh, all, all signs point to him. I, I do think there are a few players that, that might make a surprising splash. Uh, I know right off the top of my head, um, East Point was talking about Augie Gallen, which was involved in the Ray Chapman trade. Yeah. Uh, given him more of, of a, a permanent role. And I know uh, Harvey drafted Andrew Miller, who's a newcomer to the league and, and has made his roster. So who knows? Yeah, I think Pujols is, is the uh, the favorite from the, get, from the gate opening, but you never know who might sneak up on him. That's true. That's true. Well, uh, I think that does it for second base. Are you, do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, get a dipper? I'm getting thirsty. I'm ready for that dipper. Let's do it. We've got a new twist for the third base dipper in 2023. I've been able to track down some baseball-centric beers, and we're going to feature those this year. A special thank you to Rosie's in Lakewood for helping me out. Our first dipper of the year is Rain Delay IPA from JAFB in Wooster, Ohio. Now, it's our favorite podcast topic, predictions. 
We'll go division by division here and start at the top of the standings page of classicleague.weebly.com with the Hobbs Lightning Division. The East Point Elites, North Coast Crashers, and Wormtown Warriors occupy this one. Wormtown and North Coast are consistent playoff contenders, and the East Point Elites look to make a move in their second season of Classic League Baseball. Who do you think takes the division this year, and why? This division was so tightly contested last year. I think the surprise uh, was not that, but the fact that they were like, all three teams were kind of uh, below the 500 mark for much of it. I expected uh, a little bit more out of all three teams. Uh, I think last year I, I picked um, North Coast to win it, and they, they didn't. So I'm going to roll the dice and double down on them this year. I think North Coast um, has definitely improved their team. I think the new ballpark is going to help them. So I think uh, it will be tightly contested again, and, and they're going to be the ones that come out on top. Um, I look for big things from them. Yeah, I, I like the way East Point drafted this year, except for that 29th round pick. But I don't know if it's enough to put them atop the division. I do think that East Point will finish second behind North Coast. I'm with you on that. Uh, but it'll be a tight race, um, obviously Wormtown in third. I, but I think it's going to be close again. Uh, on to the Hobbs Oak Tree, where Brentwood looks to win their first title since 2016. Athens looks to win their first title. And the defending champion Twinsburg Tornadoes look to defend their championship. <laughs> I'll lead off this one, and I know I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Athens comes up big in 2023 and takes the oak tree away from the Tornadoes. Twinsburg will finish second, with Brentwood coming in third. Okay. I, I think uh, going back to the draft discussion... Uh, one thing I mentioned to you um, prior to writing this episode um, was how I felt like there were very few misses in the draft. And I think part of that led to the teams who were playoff teams last year picking at the bottom of the draft this year were hurt by that. I think pretty much every team that made the playoffs got a little weaker and every team at the top of the draft got a little stronger. Um, with that in mind, I feel like Brentwood is is going to take the crown this year, uh, mostly on the strength of their pitching staff. I think the past couple years they they've always um, been a contender and then kind of faded late, and I think this year they they strengthened some of their weaknesses on offense and just made their pitching staff even better than it was. Uh, nothing against you know Twinsburg or Athens. I think they'll be in it, but again I I think. Um, both of those teams picking later in the draft, it's going to hinder their ability to win the division. Over to the Kinsella Cornfield division, where new owner Jared has a tall task with his Gitchigumi Gales going up against your Gramercy Ghostmen. And, I mean, we're going to have to call them the Garvey Gallbangers so that everyone can have all <laughs> Gs uh, uh, in that division. But what do you what are you thinking for this one? I While divisions have changed... You're on an eight-season division winning streak. Is your time coming to an end? No, I'm keeping it. <laughs> no doubt. I, I don't even need to uh, go any further. With, I mean, I think, um, like I said, I, I I think that my team got weaker as well. Um, but I, I still feel pretty strong about the core of my team to the point where I just feel that 
Harvey and Gechigumi, um, though competitive, don't have enough to overtake the division. Um, but again, I, I think with my prediction of myself winning the division, that sets me back in the draft again next year, you know, and I think a, a, a team like Gichigumi can learn enough to, to get even stronger next year. So is my run coming to an end this year? No, but maybe, you know, next year. Yeah, the core of your team is so strong, and you do draft well even when you're dealt the hand of making up for being at the top of uh, the standings. Uh, I think you make it nine years in a row, but it'll be close. Harvey will come in second, and Gichigumi will round out the division. That's that's my prediction there. Lastly, we head over to the Kinsella Moonlight, where the Cleveland Spiders and Raleigh Fingers look to dethrone me as division champs. I, deal, I will say I'm, I'm a little nervous this year. Both of these teams drafted very well. And this one might come down to the final week of the season, uh, but I think I can eke it out, and Cleveland's going to nip at my heels, and Raleigh's going to nip at Cleveland's heels. Right. I, I think um, I made it a prediction with you in another off-air conversation that I feel that this division will be like the Lightning division last year, where it'll go back and forth. All three teams will be in it. And like you said, I, I think it'll also come down to like the last week of the season. Um, I went with Raleigh winning this division for really one simple reason. They had a, a high pick in the draft, and they had a great spring. And I feel like they've got enough enough uh, balance that they're going to be the team that ekes out the division win. All right, fine, be that way. So we've got our division winners. What about our wild card entries to the playoffs? You go first. So do you want me to start with Hobbs or Kinsella? Neither or. I'll, I'll start with Hobbs um, since that's where we started with the divisions. I think uh, East Point is going to get the wild card this year. I, I think they're going to finish very uh, maybe a, a couple games behind North Coast. I, I think uh, Jason is very keen to his weaknesses and was able to fill in a lot of those gaps uh, coming off a, an expansion year last year. Um, I, I, I think the big difference for him is his pitching staff. He did an awesome job finding guys who uh, have shown glimpses of success in the league. Um, and, and he's going to go ahead and like lean on some of these guys as starters, John Donaldson being one. He made that pick, and then when he sent in his spring using him as a starter, I was like, wow, that, that's a good idea because that's a guy that has always been tried out as a reliever, but his splits kind of tend to make him probably more successful as a starter. Probably doesn't have the innings to be like a full season starter, but I think he's got enough depth where, and enough activity where I think he'll make moves that keep his team fresh and uh, you know in it till the very end. Okay. What about the? Uh, go ahead with your Kinsella pick for wild card as well. I went with your team. I, I think uh, the strength of your pitching staff is just consistent and hard to ignore. Um, again, I think Cleveland will be uh right in right in there too i I wouldn't be surprised if if they ended up being the wild card but i think that um your experience and your pitching will be what kind of puts you just above him yep and uh, so i'll tell you i mean it it is tough we talk about the strength of teams and the parity that this league has 
Um, I, I agree with you, though, about East Point. I really think they make the leap into the playoffs this year for the Hobbs wild card. And the battle for Kinsella, I obviously I picked myself as a division winner. So between Harvey and Cleveland, I think that's where it's going to come down to. But I think the Spiders are going to make it in. Um, so we've got our playoff prediction. So, um, so just run through real quick, just recap your six playoff teams. So North Coast, Brentwood, East Point. I think Brentwood gets the first round bye, so you got a North Coast, East Point first round matchup. Mm-hmm. And then in Kinsella, Gramercy, Raleigh, Limerick. Again, I think my team probably has the bye because the other division is closer. So uh, two division foes facing off in that first round as well. And mine were uh, North Coast, Athens, and East Point. Uh, and then Gramercy, Limerick, and Cleveland. Um, so... Now let's talk about your World Series matchup. Who will be playing and who will win it? So I know our uh, matchups, well, our winner are going to be different. Yep. Um, East Point, I think, gets in. Wow. I I, I feel like, I I just have this feeling like they're going to have a hot streak down the stretch and it's going to carry over into the playoffs. Um, And from the Kinsella... I, I feel strongly about Raleigh. I just think they're so balanced. Um, I, I feel like they the trade they made with Cleveland, uh, they traded Pete Alexander for Ty Cobb. I felt like they had enough pitching depth to do that, and Cobb being the elite leadoff hitter was kind of what their team was missing. Um, so, yeah, I just I think Raleigh is going to be the Kinsella representative. Wow. So And then who's, who's your winner? I'm going with Raleigh. Wow, I'm I'm Crash Davis in his first season as manager. I think he's gonna push them and inspire them, and we're gonna see uh, an expansion team get a title uh, very quickly into this. That's wow. So it, it's funny that you you did that um, because my World Series prediction is also going to guarantee a first time champion. Okay. So I think we're going to see the Bob Kittens and the Spiders in the World Series. That'd be a fun one. And I, I feel bad because Lonnie's been chugging away for so long. I think the Spiders have been in them to win this year. Wow, a, di- a division rival. I know, you're, I know. You're, it hurts. It yeah. hurts, but... Uh, That's funny, though, that both of our predictions are from your division. Right. You know, and I guess uh, you being the last Kinsella champion, that, that would round things out pretty well uh, yeah. going back and forth. Well, now that we've... Both called ourselves losers at the beginning of the year. Uh, we need to talk about our predictions. Which, I, I, by the way, I just want to point out that we both picked Twinsburg last year and Twinsburg won it. So that's true. What, what's Ooh, wow. gonna? Is it gonna be one or the other this Could year? Be. Can we can we make it two years in a row where one of us gets it right? That'd be pretty cool. Uh, time to talk about for the big three awards. We'll we'll skip rookie of the year. We kind of figure we know how that's gonna go. Um, MVP. Cy Young and the Rolades Relief Man. Should we rename the Cy Young Award? I think we got to find <laughs> I know. I've been thinking about that, but I'm like, who would we pick? Right. It'd still be someone from the league. Exactly. <laughs> um, who have you got for your award winners? Who are your three award winners? Let's let's go back and forth with this. Okay. Let's, let's stretch it out a little Sounds bit. Sounds good. Let's uh, let's start with the, the lesser award, uh, the Rolades Relief Award. Okay. Um, I, w- I went with Tom Hankey from Raleigh. Okay. I feel like uh, Raleigh has has a, a solid pitching staff and, like I said, balanced team, but plays in Ebbets Field that is a little bit hard to predict. I think it goes back and forth with uh, favoring pitchers and, and hitters. 
So I feel like Raleigh's going to be in a lot of close games. But I feel like Tom Hankey is one of our one of the best closers in the Classic League. I want to say I think he's the all-time saves leader at okay. this point. And so I, I think like he's going to get a lot of opportunities, and he's going to convert a lot of those opportunities. Yeah. I uh, I went with so kind of touching back on my Athens prediction, Takashi Saito. He's, oh, yeah, that's, he's that's been really... extremely consistent. Um, always ends up with. I mean, I think he protects him. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's gonna go to uh, Athens this year and and Saito. Um, so now, how about the Cy Young? I'll do mine. Okay. I like my ace, Addy Joss. Addy Joss is uh, due for a little bounce back year, and uh, I think he's gonna lead my team to a lot of victories and earn that Cy Young. That's a good choice. Glad to see you going with one of your guys. I think he he won it the year. Um... That you won the title, right? I, th- I, think, I think he won he... it in 2018, I think. Okay. I know one of the years you won yeah. a title, I believe he won a Cy Young. So, a repeat winner. Um, speaking of repeat winners, I am going with uh, who, arguably the best pitcher in this league. It's been a while since he's won it. I think Satchel Page is mm. going to be part of the reason Brentwood wins his division. Okay. So, I think Satchel's going to rack up another Cy Young award. All right. And then that leaves us with the MVP. I think we're going to have a repeat winner. Really? Back to back? Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig. Again, with my Cleveland pick as the uh, champion, it seemed only fitting to take someone from his squad, and Lou's definitely a good candidate. Yeah, that's an excellent pick. Um, Last year's MVP race was very close. Uh, It was kind of going back and forth um, between a few different guys. I mentioned earlier that I felt like East Point was going to uh, have a hot stretch or a hot streak down the stretch um, that kind of propelled into the playoffs. And I think part of that is going to come from who I think will win the MVP, and that's Turkey Stearns. Oh, I think that's a guy that's that a just pick. every year just racks up numbers. Um, I, I, he, I think he was in the top five, if not close to the top five last year. He's always in the MVP race, and I think this year uh, he's going to be the main reason East Point gets into the playoffs. So there's the predictions. Cleveland for me. And who did you said East Point for the title? Raleigh. Or Raleigh, Raleigh for the title. For That's the right. Title. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're both picked. Uh, Crash you, Davis. Yeah, Crash Davis. <laughs> the, he's he's going to lead them to victory. So we'll see how it goes. Anything else for third base before we head home? That was fun. I love prediction time. It's the best. As mentioned several times, this is the 19th season of Classic League Baseball, which means that the 2024 season will be the 20th season of Classic League Baseball. What are we going to see for special festivities to go along with this big anniversary year, Jason? So we kind of have a a split anniversary, right? Yeah. So we talked about like next season will be the 20th season, and then we'll kind of do the traditional like anniversary the year after that, Mm -hmm. like kind of the way Major League Baseball does it. So next season, uh, we're going to have a special logo, special league logo. So we'll kind of put the uh, Classic League logo on a shelf for a season and use a, a special uh, anniversary logo. Uh, and then in the off season after season 20, we're going to unveil a Hall of Fame vote. We're going to annually uh, put some players who have been in the Classic League up for vote. Um and have two players per season from then on 
be inducted into what we call the Classic League Hall of Fame. That I'm I am so pumped about that. Um and and we want to, want to make sure people know right away just just cuz your guy makes the Hall of Fame, you don't have to stop using him. <laughs> we don't have to actually retire these guys. I've I've been on strat boards where they'll actually I guess there's a there's like a double injury that can happen where they'll actually kill players out of their league. Really? Yeah. Wow, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, it was very, a couple different ones, and they were talking about that. So don't worry, we're not we're not going to do that. Um, any any thoughts as to how we're going to put together the the how many how many will we put in the first class? Have you decided? Have we? I think it should be two per year. I'm thinking, um, you know, I I think we're going to do a vote just with owners mm-hmm. so it'll be like a google form that goes out to the owners and so it'll be more than four like a twitter poll would do so i'm, I'm thinking you know probably three three pitchers three hitters and then one pitcher one hitter gets in every year it's cool i like it predictions do you want to do it or we'll save yeah, that we'll, we'll save, save that for, we'll save, save that it, we'll yeah. save that um you mentioned the logo you mentioned uh, the Hall of Fame. What about expansion? We're at 12 teams right now. Next expansion, we would definitely want to go to 16. We got to keep the uh, the numbers at that point um, with divisions and whatnot. Can't go 14. Just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we can get to 16 for our 20th season? I will say we've got some interest. Um, it's a little shaky right now. I think it first depends on the current owners wanting to return. I would not want to try and expand uh, in addition to replacing someone that might want to leave. Um, but I will say that we've got like three or four interested people. Um, could probably make a better prediction in July. Um, but it's definitely the goal. You know, we want to try and get to 16. And as I've said before, I don't want to go beyond 16. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of a classic league is to make sure all those classic players are in it. And I think old timey baseball, you know, is is uh, is good with a, a smaller league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because I mean, if you think about it, that's how MLB was back then. You had all the greatest players concentrated onto a, a, a limited number of teams. So yeah, and I think it uh, works out well. And and I think our playoff system too. Like, you know, you want to keep owners interested throughout the year, and having you know a few more playoff teams, you know, is always. Uh, a good fun thing, you know, no, everybody likes playoffs. Absolutely. Something I'm really excited about that we've talked about off air, but have not unveiled yet is the plan for the 2025 all-star game. Tell everyone where that game is going to be. Very excited as well. So 2025, as we mentioned, would be like the quote unquote anniversary. The 20th year. So, Uh, this upcoming season, um, you know, we alternate hosts of the All-Star Game. So your team is host of the All-Star Game this year. We'll unveil the next year's host, but it'll obviously be a Hobbs team. So 2025, we'll see another Kinsella team. But it's not going to be a team. It's going to be a new park that was uh, in, introduced to the Strat computer game, and that's the Field of Dreams. Because obviously uh, they have that game there each season. And so uh, any MLB game that is hosted gets entered into the ballpark options. And so we decided, hey, what a good uh, opportunity during an anniversary year, a Kinsella year. You know, let's Mm -hmm. have it at the Field of Dreams. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's going to be fantastic. 
last but not least, talk about rule changes. We got bigger bases. We got... <laughs> Uh, there's no pitch clock in, in Classic League. Yeah, none, none um, of those new rule changes. But we it, never had yeah, a shift, that's, right? <laughs> that's right, right. So any potential rule changes we're looking at or rule changes for this season or rule changes for the future? I mean, obviously we made some changes with the uh, draftability of players, like eligible players. Anything else really taking shape? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think um, it was important for for us to, to kind of return to what this league was all about, which is trying to get the best players who ever played the game to be in the game and to be drafted. So, you know, we have the 100 innings uh, rule where they had to have at least had that much in real life or in the Classic League, not a combined, um, you know, innings. And same thing with at-bats, 500 at-bats. I I think we're always going to be on the lookout for potential rule changes that that help everybody. Um, There's nothing, I think, in the immediate future other than potentially uh, a restriction on ballpark changes. So we've talked about teams um, kind of being able to change from season to season, Uh, moved up the deadline for for getting that in so that you can't like draft to your, like if you draft your team and then you're like, well, this doesn't fit my park, I'll switch my park. So we moved the date up on that. But I do think that now that we've kind of got a uh, regular you know, ownership returning. Um, that's probably the next, you know, yeah. rule change. Minimum number of yeah, years like you the have the earliest to, yeah. rule change will, will be like, okay, once you pick a park, you got to stick with it for X amount of years. I like that. Man, doesn't matter to me. I'm not going anywhere. I know. I've, I've only had one park <laughs> since entering, entering yeah. the league. I've, yeah, I, I switched. I two, uh, right? I, yeah, I had yeah. Scheib Park for okay. a, a minute and then uh, came back to Municipal, and it served me well, so... Ready for fireworks? Let's do it. All right. There it is, folks. Hard to believe this is already our third year of doing the Dead People Baseball podcast. We'll have around five episodes this year for you, and feel free to send in those mailbag questions, whether it be through Twitter or directly to Jason's email. Jason, any last thoughts before we say goodbye and I hit all the plugs? I just want to give a shout-out to Greg and Lonnie, um, owners in this league, that are really instrumental in helping me uh, run the league in terms of, like, website and stats and all that. So thank you, guys, and uh, also thanks to everybody that's listening to these uh, episodes. Absolutely. Once again, thank you for listening to Dead People Baseball. Stay up to date with the league at classicleague.weebly.com and follow at classicleague05 on Twitter. And there's like a slash in the zero now. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. what's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you next time, folks.